Okay, with Sharon Mayo, uh, the stamp is the short film. It's a student film from, from Columbia College, right? Columbia University, I should call it. Yeah, Columbia University. In the I downgraded city. you for a second. I apologize. <laughs> UIV League or you? Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, like, you kind of go for the Ivy League part, but, like, you kind of forget about it because, well, I shouldn't say it because they might listen to this. So, but, yeah, you go for the Ivy League part, but you kind of forget about it when you're in school. When you're in school. Yeah, but well, that's the way it should be, right? So but when you graduate and you get the diploma and then you're, it's on your, your resume, that's when you remember it again. Correct. So I actually graduated in 2001 from NYU Tisch School of the Arts. I was a film major then. Okay. And I got into post-production because I was like, I just want to do anything in film. And after doing that, after I did that till up till the pandemic. And I was pretty miserable because it was a very technical job. And when I went to NYU, I was known as a creative. And so uh, I I was like, I, 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 I still want to be a creative. So I applied to Columbia. It was the only place I applied to. And if I got in, then I was going to go full you know, throttle, try to make movies. If I didn't get in, I would just go back to post and live my, my days as this post consultant. So you've had like a 20 year career and Correct. graduated from a pretty, pretty, pretty big school. And then you basically had a 20 year career post-production. And now you're back at school and you want to be a filmmaker. Correct. So my idea was to somehow be so successful at post that I can somehow, you know, navigate my way into production. But once you're pigeonholed into a specific uh, industry within the industry, yeah, I realized it's, that. It's like nearly impossible. So I was like, I got just got to start over. So I'm the oldest in my cohort. Everyone's in their late 20s or early 30s. So I've got it's a good years. education because I realized that when I was 26. I was working in the industry in Toronto and I was like, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Like I'm, I'm, I'm staying, I was working in like uh, locations. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to be in locations or, or an AD. That's my, that's my path for the next 30 years. I got to get out. And it's the problem is the money's good, right? Yes. You got like, you got debt and everything like that. So it's hard to like, to get out of that. And it's like, cause yeah. you're in the industry, you're excited. Yes. It's like, but then you're like, no, I, I it's time to go. Yeah, 100%. And like I, when I was in post, I had like these touch points that I wanted to hit. So I was like, I want to work for DreamWorks. I want to work for Disney. And my last job. You did all those things, didn't you? I did. My last job is I ran a department at HBO. um, And then the the pandemic happened. They tried to, because we didn't know what was going on with productions. Our production stopped. And then uh, they, they eliminated my department. And that was when I was like, well, I think I've done everything in post that I wanted to do. So because like that was my high point with HBO. And after that, I just wasn't interested in doing anything else other than telling stories. And I think the difference is at NYU, because you're, you know, in your early 20s, um, you don't really know what you want to say yet. So coming back to Columbia, now I have a whole bunch of stories about what life is like and what the you know, how to share it with others in like kind of a comedic lens if I can. It's interesting because you kind of left HBO when it kind of resurged itself, right? It got the, it got the, got the HBO plus out and like it kind yes. of revamped all these, all these, like even Disney, all these play, all these places kind of rebranded themselves, right? 100%. There, there was a, it was like a streaming war because all those channels are, um, it's called linear when you watch it on television, but now, you know, most of the people of our generation, like Gen Z, yeah. Gen X, I'm, well, I'm Gen X. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's a Gen Y, but uh, there's- That's, that's it, millennials. Gen yeah, millennials. yeah, they're cordless or they they cut the cord. So like, 
HBO and Disney, and they all want to grab that. So there was a mad scramble for their old catalogs. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So you kind of interested. And then you work for Stephen Colbert's show too, right? Yeah, I work there now part time. Um, I'm a post and archivist consultant. So basically, I help. Well, it was a letterman before back in two, 2015. Okay. And um, when Stephen Colbert won the the late you know late night position. They moved from the Colbert Report Comedy Central, which was like uptown New York, to where the Letterman Studio is. So what I they hired me to convert Letterman Studio um, into an Avid shop. Um, Avid is a, a, a editing company I used to work for. And um, I helped build their facility. I trained all their editors. I trained their producers. And then I flew out to my next job. And then when I went to Columbia, what happened was uh, I needed to make some money to like eat and live and rent. And I posted uh, an Instagram story saying, does anyone have any jobs I can do? And Col- the Colbert people were like, she built our facility. We can give her any job and she'll pick it up right away. So I worked there on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. That's amazing. You said okay. you did it. So you posted something on Instagram, you said about it. You were at, like, yeah, what? I was like, I need a job. Does anyone have any jobs? <laughs> you got and, something like, out of that? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I actually got three. I think, um, well, Vice. Uh, contacted me Stephen Colbert contacted me and I forget the I think Coonhart films contacted me um Vice would have been really interesting but they wanted someone full-time and I just couldn't do it full-time either yeah that's amazing so that like so you're you're still got your foot in the door I guess you're you're, your foot in the door in terms of like what you post-production and what you do but now you're learning creative production so that so this is this film uh the stamp it was made in Columbia. It was made at, it was a part of a project for you at school? Correct. So okay. at Columbia, um, there's three concentrations, screenwriting, directing, and creative producing. There's about 50 directors and screenwriters and about 25 producers. In my particular class, there's 20 because um, five dropped or moved to directing or something like that. And in order to graduate and our get our master's, we have to produce four films. Um, this one is my first film I produced. It's called a three to five, which means it needs to be three to five minutes. Mine is obviously not five yeah, minutes. Not, Mine yeah. is like nine minutes. So you failed. But, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. You failed. So you failed then. I always fail the time limit thing. Cause when I was at NYU, my last project was also 10 minutes. So it's supposed to be five, but it was, but every time I go, um, exceed the length, no one complains about it because it doesn't feel that long. I hope. But you're also working post-production. So if you know how to trim something, it would be you. Like you would know right. how to trim trim the arcs. And But I guess you couldn't with this film. Yeah, it had to be nine minutes, 30 seconds. Uh, it was actually originally 12 minutes. And my okay. advisor, his name is Jack. And he like produced, uh, well, he didn't like, he did. He produced um, Blue Valentine. He was part of Fog of War. He's great. Uh, he's He said that in order to get into more festivals, I got to cut it under 10. So it was just... Okay chopping things left and right. So there are like entire scenes I cut out, but it seems to work for the pacing. I don't know if I, I he, listen, he's the producer of Blue Valentine. I like him and I like the other filmmakers films. Uh, was the one the other, anyways. Fog of War, Fog of War. Yeah, um, but but that, that, I don't know if that's exactly true. I don't know if that's, I don't know. I don't like for someone who, who, who programs like a thousand short films a year. I don't know if that's, that's entirely true. What he yeah. said. But. I know nothing about film festivals. Yeah. So like, I was like, okay, whatever you tell me, because like I went straight from NYU to post-production. So maybe, I your, maybe your submission fees will be go down because there's usually levels of like the one to 10 minute uh, fee and then the 10 and above minute fee. 
Yeah. Maybe you, you'll save some money, but I don't think that it's going to be a deal breaker if your film is 20, 12 minutes, but yeah. Anyway, it was like yeah. really good. I didn't think it was that good. Cause I had, I, I had, I thought I had to, well, I, I know I had technical issues. So if it, if it was like really what it was visually stunning, maybe I would have kept yeah. it at 12, but. You know, I don't want to contradict all the, students. I'm sorry. I don't want to contradict the Ivy League professor who <laughs> produces great movies, but basically, so, but I just did. So, <laughs> okay, so, okay. So the key of your film, I, which I found fantastic because I think a lot of people can relate with, like, even if you're liberal, conservative, whatever, you're going to have some issues with the government and you're going to have issues with going to even get going to getting your driver's license renewed. It's a bunch of bullshit, right? Yeah. So basically, you know, that, you know that basically everybody's going to relate to your film. So, but the key to your location I found is that is your is is your location. So, where did you where did you shoot this film? So, um, man, it was really hard to find a location too. It, um, it's actually the the top. It's an undergraduate floor in Columbia um, called Lerner Hall, and basically it's where undergraduate students go to hang out. And I said, I think we can fake this as a government office. To, oh, actually, there. Oh. Government offices are actually way worse than that because they don't do invest in a lot in infrastructure. Yeah, um, less more, pretty, like yeah, like, yeah there's, it was, there's a little bit more prettier than than an average job. Yeah, job. we had a we had an ugly one that was it had like the the file cabinets and the phone like really old school phones and the week before the people who had agreed for us to shoot there can't uh, like reneged on their thing because it was an art student office and the art students wanted to use it so we had to find something and it was a little too pretty but with the resources we had and it was during the pandemic this was during when omicron variant was like going wild in new york so everyone was saying no okay because because the government it's funny it's almost like you go into a time warp when you go yes. into the government. i remember i have to I had to pick up something a marriage certificate or something like that and it was like i thought i was in the 1980s like the file cabinets and like like it was like, what's going on here? Like, like, like. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, and also, who still uses stamps? Who's still yeah. mailing stuff? Yeah. And the yeah. thing that no one is caught on is in the beginning. She says, "Mail this envelope, you know, to this um, uh, uh, department." Yeah. What no one's start realize is uh, she's telling them to mail an envelope back to themselves. So it's complete busy work. Yeah. So it, it, it's just like you know, yeah. Well, yeah. These are yeah, no, there's a lot of there's a lot of like dry comedy, like kind of like uh was there an inspiration? Did you have an inspiration from your aesthetic like that that because it kind of reminds me a couple of things like office space and like oh yeah. yeah. So um the DP, his name's Sun, he's from South Korea, he's so great. Uh I I everyone says it's the office. I actually never watched the office. Yeah, th that um, was just the yeah, you never seen it because it's, No, well, I've seen like an episode or two, but I never followed it. I was like working when this it came out. Yeah. And I actually showed the DP succession and I showed them I showed him a boardroom meeting. I was like, I want these people, they take themselves so seriously. <laughs> yeah, like and we whip to them, like they're so upset about something so minimal, right? Yeah. That's the other thing about working in the government. I was a contractor, is like the smallest things are like the biggest deals politically. Yeah. So the, your main character, it's all kind of told from his point of view. So like the office is kind of docudrama. This is more of like a perspective of this, this guy who's literally entering this, this new world, right? Though even when yeah. you shot it, he's walking down the hallway, the, the opening scene, kind of like the graduate style. And uh, he's entering a new world, right? Like yes. he's, it's like, he's, he's all eager. He's nervous. He's got a suit on. 
and he's young, right? Idealistic. And then his journey from the, the first scene to the last scene, he's a completely different person, right? Even though it's a comedy. Yeah. You have a, there's a, there's a, com- there's a commentary here with this, with this idealism, I guess, right? 100%. Like you, when you go to the DMV or you go to these government agencies and the lines around the block and everyone is miserable, you know, it, I came to think like, do they just not consider hiring someone who might change things? And I've been in that position where like, you know, you, it doesn't have to be this way. You can make, be more efficient. You can be happy at work. And then to, you know, change that idealism. And I think a lot of people go through that, especially working middle-class where you're so excited to be making your own money, but you find out you really don't make your own money. It's really going somewhere else and you really get this much. And is that making that amount of money that you really worked hard for or, I mean, so these people have given up on like, you know, having some sort of passion towards something that they spend half their life at because we spend half our life at work. Yeah. It's kind of sad. It's very, it's, it made me feel, I know it's funny. It's a comedy, but it made me feel sad. Like, cause I've had jobs like that where like, you know, that you don't, nobody, it doesn't matter if I don't, if I'm not there, it's still going to function. And <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, man. and there, there's actually a generational divide about that, too, because before our time, people would just work at the same job for 20, 30 yeah. years. Like yeah. you would be considered a job hopper because, you know, you know everything about the business. You show loyalty where now is, it's more about younger experience, like the more places you work at, the more experience you have. No, because um, I remember my my father-in-law basically worked for like a um uh, like kind of like a liquor company and he said that he basically he was like he ran a, an office floor and he said that they had like 10 people working under him and they all worked for like 25 years the same to the 11 people were for 25 years and I thought that was a crazy I'd never heard of such a thing in my life where like everybody just stays at the same job for you're right that's the that's the that's the baby boomer generation right they just right they just stayed at the same job they didn't they didn't hop right Right. One hundred percent. And the government government agencies, they, yeah, it's all people staying there no matter how happy. I don't actually, I don't think fired. I've ever seen a happy government worker. I'll be honest. Well, you can't get fired. That's the problem, right? Yes. That's the other thing. There's no sticks because you can't get fired. When you say you can't get fired to, to explain is you have to come up with a lot of evidence to get any, but it's never based on performance. Theft. I think the only way you can get fired is, is theft or sexual harassment. I think those Correct. are the only two things. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, I, it makes me wonder, like, how does even, how do governments even work when this is kind of like their status quo, you know? And like, how how much would that affect if, you know, pe- they actually did, didn't, you know, had go-getters and would people be excited yeah. to go to the, I don't think that's ever going to happen, but. You, yeah. you, you're old enough to remember Reagan and basically yeah. his less government mantra that kind of set up the our generation, right? We're like, look, they don't, let's get rid of the government. Let's get rid of these workers. And people were like, yeah, <laughs> that's why he got, that's why in 1984, he got, he was like one state basically voted Republican except for Minnesota because yeah. it was like, yeah, he's right. Reagan's right. It's like, it's movie. Like I'm not, obviously I'm a liberal, but basically yeah. I'm just saying it's like people, I understand why people are like, fuck the government and these people, yeah. right? Like, even if you try to understand, so like the main character, Joe, he's trying to like, I want to be friends. I want to do good. Like, uh, and it, it, it the, ugh, 
I mean, there is an antagonistic force within like the, I think the concept of government. Um, so like, yeah, I, I kind of go on a tangent here. <laughs> so, so you have three, like four kind of really key characters in your film. They all kind of have their journeys and they're all great. And they have this dry comedy wit to them. Where did you find your cast? Did you do some audition, New York auditions? Like where did you find oh. your cast? So that's a good question. Um, everyone who's in the film is a student of Columbia from my Oh, wow. So we all take this class um, called, um, uh, uh, we, we all have to take acting classes for a year. Okay. Um, and that, and even if you like, even if a producer, you have no interest in being an actor, um, even if you're a screenwriter and you don't plan to be on set, we all have to take acting classes. So I kind of just cast watching performances in our acting classes but I really like the I the 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 purpose of it which is how are we going to write better stories how are we going to you know get these performances that we want out of people if we don't understand their process so to go into slip into the actor's shoes um out of those four well Catherine who plays Mrs. Spalder she 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 comes from an acting school Joe also went to acting school. Nana wanted to be an actor. Nana was uh, the person she, he was trying to get an envelope from and she's always eating chips. Uh, she wanted to be an actress, kind of hated it and now like a directing concentrate, oh no, screenwriting concentrate. Mm. And then Gorby is a producer and I just thought he was funny. And um, I think, yeah, none of them come from an improv background. I come from an improv background. I've done it at UCB, Second City and The Groundlings. And so I kind of had to give them a crash course in because what how I structured the film was the first three scenes, everything's very calm. The camera's a little bit still. As we go yeah. through the film, it becomes more and more erratic. Whereas, um, and everything's very scripted to when we get to the cream cheese scene, the confrontation scene, that's when I had them let them loose with the improv and, and I kept building up the stakes. So we had like five takes of the cream cheese scene. And in the first take, like, Joe grabs it and Gorby like grabs it too. And then like, he doesn't get it. And then Joe just walks away. Mm -hmm. And then, so my note was, no, he's taking your cream cheese. You've been waiting for that all week. I want you to fight for it. So the fight got more and more dramatic. And uh, at the end, the last take, the one where they're struggling and they're trying to lick each other and whatnot is the take that I ended up using. Okay, gotcha. So the, 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 just to go back to, you're saying the directorial because you, like style was that, you kind of had it still and then you kind of went to handheld later on, I guess. And you kind of like, and that let the, the, like you played with the camera a little bit where you got to push up, push back. And like, you kind of like had loose rein with the camera, I guess, as soon as you got hired, I guess. Right. Yeah. So basically the, as the day goes on, he becomes more frustrated and the camera reflects the camera. that the camera becomes more frustrated. And that's why we start whipping at the point where he kind of breaks down. Gotcha. Yeah, really, really interesting film. So then, like, how many shorts have you made uh, to date? Well, written and directed one, that one. This one? Um, yeah, but I've produced four so far at Columbia. This is your fourth uh, film, and you got, so basically, and when do you, when do you graduate? Uh, I graduate uh, of spring 2024. So this was the first, this short was, because we, um, so to graduate, we have to produce four films, we have to direct two. So this was the first one I wrote and directed um, and I had a different producer for it. Then I did another one uh, with Joe, the lead actor. I produced his short film, which was a drama. And then I produced two more, which were another comedy and another drama. Um, but I am edit 
I am producing and well, I can't direct it. I can't, we can't direct after a certain year, which kind of frustrates me because I like to do it. Um, But I'm producing a musical about a barista this summer. And then I'm doing a Western in August in Calgary about two lady outlaws. Um, So uh, you'll probably out of the school, I'll come out with three that, so this is my first like dip into the film festival circuit. And then the second film that I'm still in post with, that's a surreal drama, which I've never done before, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I I directed that. And then after that, it's just me producing um, and having a say. In, so like the musical I'm producing, I picked a director. Okay. Yeah. It's an interesting program. I never heard like how they, I've never heard, I've, obviously I've inter- interviewed a lot of people going to film school. Yeah. I never heard of that kind of style the what they're doing at Columbia. Yeah, the reason I picked Columbia um, uh, is because uh, it's known as the story school. So what they really work on and hone on is, you know, the turning point. It's the dramatic narrative, the inciting incident. How do we make someone watch something that short and still be compelled and still, you know, want to watch more? Um, because that's a really strange format to, you know, get in and get out in, you know, 10 minutes or less. But um, so like when I went to NYU, it was more technical. So, you know, how do we move the camera? How do we get the lights to get the atmosphere? How do we relate to the audience? So, um, uh, uh, so like the, uh, the fact, so in the way I figured that out was I was watching, um, not watching, I was uh, 2021 when I was applying to schools, um, four out of the five shorts for the Oscars were all from Columbia students. And I was like, what are they doing over there? Yeah. So, you know, that's when I discovered it was called the story. Good, good marketing. Cynical, <laughs> <laughs> cool. I apologize. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the Oscars. I'm sorry for any listeners who love the Oscars, but I just, like, I just anything that where Saving Private Ryan has lost to, I think it was Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, experience love, but that's well the, the, of Harvey Weinstein of all of all of all. Yeah, market it. But the thing with the someone once said to me, I remember I, I was never into into award shows either. But someone once said to me is that those the, the reason why award shows work is that because people actually watch those films. So whatever's nominated, they if there wasn't an award show, they would never watch those films. But because it, yeah. if they're nominated, they're going to watch the films. So there, it gives exposure to hopefully good films, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, some years they got it right. Like Moonlight, I thought they got it right that year. Yeah. Like um, No Man Land. Nobody's watching that film unless it won Best Picture. Nobody's correct. watching that film. Right. So Yeah. And I, I wonder, would Chloe Zhao have gotten that Marvel job if, you know, we did. Yeah, no exactly. Land, you know? So, yeah. yeah. And it, but then that's what they're always cherry picking, you know, because you work yeah. in the industry, they're always cherry picking indie films, right? From the actors. Like that's how they find their great actors, right? From these indie projects, right? So 100%, 100%. Yes. Yeah. That's the secret of Hollywood, right? They, they go to Sundance or whatever and they see these indie films and they're like, who's that actor? Let's find them. Right. And then they, then they, 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 then they create them, quote unquote. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That that happened with uh, Zazzy Beats. Um, I, this was before my time, but apparently she was in a lot of Columbia shorts, and then she blew up and got in Atlanta, and yeah. now she's on everything. Happens all the time, right? So, yeah. so what did you think about though? So we, our audience, we send the feedback video to you. What did you think about what the audience had? To oh see? my gosh! So like, so you know, my cohort, you know, the people who watched it in my class, uh, they all loved it. But that's because they know all the people 
in sure. the short. So to see feedback from people who are hitting, who are having the same reactions to complete strangers that who are, you know, no name actors, sorry, people in my film, but you are no name actors, <laughs> you know, and then to think it's funny and like to, you know, pick that up because uh, everyone keeps telling me how comedy is hard. But I find it easier for me, I guess. I find drama hard, actually. So you like, so you, they, they, they got your film. You're happy that they got your film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm happy that they got the points that they, you know, that I've been trying to do that, you know, the, yeah, it's, they just, it's just, yeah, like th that they were able to relate to the stranger on film. I mean, that's what we're doing all the time, but, you know, I, I, it, yeah, on a short level, it, it was really great to see that your work validated. Mm -hmm. And so, also like, and from Toronto, it's just like, of course, Toronto is going to get the, the absurdity of American government. It's the same thing in Canada. Oh, okay, good. See, it's <laughs> we're, we're, we're more government. So it's probably even, it could be even, arguably even, even worse, right? So. Yeah, 100 like, so. yeah. No, I did, listen, it's like, that's what I mean. People, people can relate. Like, like any Western world country is going to relate to this film, right? Like, it's like, because that's like we love the government, but then we also know that that there's thousands of workers working in these offices and they're not getting anything done. Let's just be honest here, right? Yeah, yeah, one hundred. I used to work. I used to I used to go to the YMCA in downtown Toronto, and I and it was right across the street from a government building, and I used to play squash, right? And I worked for right. myself, so I could play squash for like an hour or two hours, right? I can build my own schedule, and these government workers would be there for like two, three hours playing yeah. squash. With <laughs> Right? Like, I'm yeah. like, I like, one time I said, aren't you going back to work? He's like, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll figure it out. Like, it's like, uh, so like, oh my God. So all those points are hitting because people, yeah, I, because yeah. I mean, that was all from real experiences. Just like, I have a two hour lunch or whatever. I'm going to the gym. Yeah. That's what they did. They would go and play squash <laughs> for like two, three hours. And I'm like, and I, th I think to myself, no wonder nobody's getting, no wonder two things. No wonder the conservative government is winning these elections. And two, no wonder basically nothing's getting done, right? So basically, yeah, those are two I mean, there. the bigger problem, and I don't know, that's it's not really outlined here, but basically, they the government, whoever's running it, wants to be able to say they've created jobs or look, everyone's like employed. So they just come up with these jobs just to say that they have jobs, but they're we're pretty much throwing money at people who aren't doing anything. But if you're, but if it's well structured, they could be doing a lot. That's the whole point, right? Yes. But yeah. The issue is, is that is that we've learned that socialism doesn't work in communities, right? Capitalism will fall eventually, but socialism doesn't work. But the problem is, is that is that we we haven't figured out a system where like to motivate people for for profit. We only can motivate people for profit right now, right? And I'm being general, of course. Yeah, there's there's nonprofits out there. There's 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 charities are doing wonderful things, right? But there's a, there's a there's a motivation that's that's occurring with them. They're 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 trying to get funding. They're trying to get money, right, for their charities. But it's still, it still still has to do with money. But the problem is is that how do we make these these jobs functional without a profit system in place? Yeah, I mean it was successful. At, well, I shouldn't say it was successful, but there I mean there was a time where like. You know, you you were the you know, coal maker guy, and you were the guy who made shoes, and you were the guy who made clothes, and then you just kind of traded, and it, it you were honing skills that you love with stuff you love to do, yeah. or that was you know, passing your family. And now I don't different. even know if that I think that's an idealized place. Okay, yeah, probably. <laughs> 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 you forgot slavery and like, oh yeah, that's true. Sexism, I mean, yeah. 
Remember? Yeah, no, I mean that that's that's a really idealistic vision, but uh, yeah, it's just I it just so I don't I don't I don't know many people who love their job. Yeah. Like most of us, it's just like it's just something we do just to kind of get by, um, and like you know, it and a lot of people blame themselves, but sometimes it's just the environment and just what you're doing. Well, on that note, I could talk to you forever. Great film. I want to see what you do next. I'm sure that you can go to go to HBO and show them all your great films you did and, <laughs> and you're on your way. But uh, I find that your journey is really interesting. I find it fascinating that you're like you got you're you're like basically a sandwich of these two brilliant schools, right? They are good schools. Yeah. Like, NYU yeah. and Columbia. You got this 20 year in career in, in, in between you. And then so what happens next? What happens the other side of the sandwich? <laughs> uh, you know, everyone, you're not the first person to ask this because all my friends were just, were just kind of waiting for, yeah. you know, they're just, they, they feel like I'm bubbling, but like, I, I'm still figuring it out. So, but yeah, I'm just, I wanted to be to a point where I'm like, it, it's undeniable that you have to give me like something to do where I can make stories. Cause I'm not looking to be rich and famous. I'm looking to be creative and comfortable. Like, you know, like, you know what I learned here? Like, yeah. I'm, I learned in, like that you looking to be happy at your job. That's what you made. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 100%. So we're going to probably get a lot of workplace stuff from me because I was pretty miserable at all my jobs. No. Be so, happy at your job. That's basically the, that's the agenda. You live one time. There's no, like I'm in my forties and like, I'm really starting to enjoy my life because I'm actually doing things I, like, you know, regardless of trying to get by. And you, but you had the guts to do it though. Most people don't have the guts to do it. Right? Yeah. So anyone who's listening, I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's, I mean, it's going to be, it's, it's worth it, but your mental health and your, your passion of what you want to do. It's, it's worth, you know, forget everyone else. Anyway. All right. On that note, we'll talk again when you make your next film or when you're running HBO and uh, I'll talk <laughs> to you soon. Thank you, Matthew. One, two, three, four, five, six.